0: and our Living the Dream team will show you the way to enjoying the land and all the outdoor pursuits it has to offer. Here's your host, Bill Cooper.
1: Welcome to Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Cooper. And I'm Hunter Heineman with Living
2: the Dream Outdoor Properties, your Missouri land specialist, and I'm going to be your co-host today.
1: Hey, Hunter, it's good to have you on, man. I've been kind of... Winging it by myself for the last few months, my last co-host kind of, I don't know where he went to, back to the barbecue business, I think, Mr. <laughs> Frank Cox. And man, it's great to have a young man fill in. You know, I'm always talking about how old I am, and it's great to have a younger co-host who has a little bit different perspective on things. But today's show, we're going to be talking about the new deer hunting regulations that are coming up for Missouri 23, 2324. And in the second segment, we're going to be talking about a recent trip that Hunter and his dad made to Mexico, or deer hunting but first we have kevin wishkirken the uh private lance deer biologist with the a missouri department of conservation kevin it's good to have you on the show
3: well it's good to be here with you
1: well i t- Hey, I'm I'm sure you talk deer hunting or deer regulations or deer management or biology probably every day of your life, so this is probably uh, uh, old news for you. But uh, I know there's been a lot of discussion about the new regulations coming up uh, for Missouri deer seasons in the 23, 24 seasons. And, hey, I want to get the word right from the horse's mouth, you know. I always like to talk to you biologists because you guys are so full of good information the latest and greatest information and kevin if you could just give us uh, i know there's several portions of this deer hunting season that and we may not get them all covered on this show but you know you'll be more than welcome to come back at a later date but to kind of kick things off uh, the new firearms early antlerless portion that's going to be from october 6th to the 8th in uh, 2023 i guess first and foremost uh, we might ask the question uh, uh why are we doing this? Why the changes?
3: Yeah, so that, that portion in particular, uh, if you pay attention to that, where that portion will occur, uh, it's been added across a, a good bit of the state of Missouri. So any county in the state that has the later antlerless only portion will also now have this early uh, antlerless only firearm portion of deer season. And that's really to address Uh, kind of a growing uh, deer population that we've got across much of the state of Missouri and so our hope there is to provide an additional opportunity and kind of a unique opportunity to hunters to get out early in the season uh, maybe fill their freezer with some meat and harvest some does to try and curb that population growth and and stabilize deer numbers
1: Well uh, I'm always uh, in favor of additional opportunities you know if if they're not going to uh, hurt the population, so to so to speak, but uh, are just regulation two re- uh, related to the CWD problem?
3: This one in particular, that early October season is is not not uh, specifically related to chronic wasting disease um, because there's a lot of counties outside of the CWD management zone that will also have this additional portion. Uh, so it is more related to uh, general population management across the state. Like I said, addressing that growing number of deer that we've got across much of the state, and and hoping that by having hunters get out there and harvest more does, specifically, it'll it'll stabilize that population.
1: So, so the population still is growing in most of the state.
3: Absolutely, yeah. We've we've got a growing trend, uh, really. Uh, with few exceptions. There are some parts of the state, uh, extreme northwest part of the state being one example, um, where numbers have not grown much in the in the past few years. But in most most of the state, we've got kind of slowly but steadily increasing deer numbers. And, and so, um, you know, of course, folks have different opinions on that. Hunters tend to enjoy uh, more and more deer out there. But on the other end of things, there's there's farmers trying to grow crops, and there's uh, folks driving on highways that, that might not appreciate that. And so we kind of need to take all of that into account. And and so we're kind of getting to that point where we like to stabilize things or even slightly decrease your numbers in certain parts of the state. And so this was one way of starting to address that In in addition to some of the other changes that will be in this year season
1: as well well being a hunter and i both we're sitting here looking at each other and i know what he's thinking just like i'm thinking as as a deer hunter if we've got a new uh portion uh new deer season coming in does that mean we're going to get to take additional deer this year
3: so it, it does so this new portion was coupled with um, an increase in the number of uh, farm antlerless permits that you can fill in most counties. So previous to this upcoming deer season, for the last several years, the most uh, antlerless permits you could fill with a farm in a particular county was two. Um, and so that's another change for 2023-24 season is that that's going to bump up to four in, in most county, counties of the state. There will still be some where the maximum number is two or one or even zero but most of the state is going to be able to fill four fire antlers permits in addition to if you're a landowner you can fill even more than that so that is another another change coupled with the additional seasons
2: well I, I would think that would make a pretty big difference but uh, I just had a question too um <clears throat> what what is um, causing kind of that increase in the population across the state
3: yeah so so deer in general have you know, really high reproductive potential. Um, so they, they're they a species that uh, can, you know, can grow pretty prolifically uh, without, um, without uh, a lot of harvest or other, you know, sources of mortality. Um And so um, it's just one that if you don't have enough harvest in place, if things are too restrictive or conservative, yeah, um, that population will inc- increase through time. Um, and so hunting, you know, has been and continues to be our main management tool for keeping the deer population at an acceptable level. Um, there have been points in history, um, you know, not too long ago um, when deer numbers were below uh, what a lot of folks would like to see and what the Department of Conservation was managing for. And so in times like that, and we tend to make uh, deer season regulations uh, fairly conservative to scale back harvest and allow that population to grow through through that strong reproductive potential, like I mentioned. And then when that population builds to the point where you're ready to stabilize it or even decrease it, then you kind of rat, rat things up. Uh, you become more liberal with your deer harvest regulations, and, and that will allow hunters to do that. So um, it's kind of uh a, a, uh, an interesting relationship there between the, the state agency and hunters, where the state agency provides the opportunity, but really relies on hunters to do the management uh, through through the hunting.
1: Got it. Cool. Yeah, I'm I'm glad to see that we're going to be able to take a few more deer just because of things that were going on my life, making a move this year. I didn't get to deer hunt very much. So, Kevin, my, <laughs> my 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 freezer is totally empty. I'm gonna to have to eat bologna, you know, between now and the next deer season. So. <laughs> Maybe I make yeah. up for it.
3: <laughs> you might, you might be one that'll be, uh, you know, itching to get out early and harvest the dough in October. Then maybe.
1: Oh, I, I will, and I, I'm getting old enough. You know, antlers are nice, but I, I like those young, tender deer. Oh, there. Oh, and I got some pretty good recipes. I'm not a bad cook, so I, I can make deer. I can do wonderful yeah. things with with deer. But um, moving on here, before we run out of time, how about the new firearm CWD? Uh, portion explain that to us
3: yeah so that one will only uh be available to hunters within cwd management zone counties and so um for those familiar with the regulations um we established that management zone by including counties that fall within 10 miles of a known uh, cwd uh, infected deer Through our surveillance so we get that location we draw a 10 mile circle and any county that falls in there is incorporated into the management zone and there's a variety of different regulations that go along with the county uh, that's in the management zone you know hunters aren't allowed to place uh, feed for deer uh, for consumption by deer throughout the year in those areas we also remove the antler point restrictions so that they can harvest hunters can harvest those younger deer um, that, that tend to disperse and can take the disease with them and, and some other things, but um, this new CWD portion of deer season is going to um, be within that zone now as well. Um, and it's essentially, you can think about it as an extension of the November firearm portion of deer season because it picks up the day right after that portion ends and continues on for five additional days through that next weekend, essentially giving you uh, three consecutive weekends to, to uh, hunt with a firearm, and hunters can fill in those counties can fill uh, any remaining permits that are yet unfilled. So if they're any they your permit, they can keep hunting, and uh, you know maybe kill a buck, um, or you can you know fill any other unfilled permits. Um, and so that was more specifically tailored, of course, to uh, managing chronic wasting disease. Um, we know that. Higher deer densities. At higher deer densities, the disease tends to spread a little bit more quickly. And so, by keeping uh, those densities in check, not allowing those populations to keep on growing within areas where we've detected CWD, um, that will help with our long term management of the disease. So, again, this is just another opportunity to allow hunters to uh, harvest more deer in those CWD management zone counties. Um, but at the same time, helping to uh,
1: hopefully keep
3: that disease at bay a bit and keep those deer
1: densities down a little bit. Well, MDC, I think uh, from all the reading I've done and understanding that I have of the situation, Missouri has done a, a pretty fair job of uh, controlling CWD. Is, is that the case? Well,
3: I think so. I think we're doing a. A pretty good job of doing what we can Uh, certainly taking an aggressive management approach when you uh, compare what Missouri is doing to a lot of other states Um, doing a lot to you know do surveillance to understand where the disease is because of course you you can't manage a disease if you don't know where it exists and so we do a good job there and then once we found the disease um, we really work hard to partner with landowners in those areas to to do some management to keep it from uh, becoming really common on the landscape and, and to keep it from spreading to new areas. So it's, it's definitely uh, another example of the relationship between the Department of Conservation but also hunters and landowners um, working in cooperation to try and limit its impacts and manage the disease.
1: Well, we know with most of the land being in in missouri being in uh private hands it uh uh definitely got to have the cooperation of the landowners and i think mdc has a tremendous history of cooperating with those landowners and and vice versa but while we're talking about landowners there's been a change too in the resident landowner farm entrance permit numbers what's the situation there yeah so just
3: in uh one additional county um the uh resident landowners, so qualifying resident landowners can receive um, two farm antlerless deer permits in Reynolds County. So previously, um, I believe it was just one, and so that's been bumped up in Reynolds County. Um, so uh, a change just affecting that that county. In, in most counties across the state of Missouri, uh, a qualifying resident landowner can already receive two um, antlerless, firearms antlerless permits, and that's in addition to What we were talking about earlier was the uh, increase from two to four um, over the counter firearm antlers permit. So, you know, any hunter can go buy up to four um, in in these certain counties and fill those, but landowners get the additional privilege, and and those are no-cost permits for those resident landowners.
1: Well, boy, I, I don't see how anybody can complain about the upcoming twenty-three, twenty-four deer season. It sounds like MDC is standing on top of the situation. I know that you guys have a, lots of field biologists are constantly working on these issues, and uh, it just kind of flabbergasts me that how you can gather data and make season changes, and it all seems to work. We, what, what was the total harvest of deer again for this last last year?
3: Yeah, it was almost exactly at three hundred thousand. That's we just, uh,
1: a lot of animals. 100
3: or, yeah, hundred or so, a couple hundred deer short of three hundred thousand. So that was one of the one of the top harvest years we've had uh, since we've been you know reporting deer harvest going back many many decades. So it was definitely a high harvest year and a lot of happy hunters.
1: Well, and I didn't even pitch in with that number. It, it should have been a couple more, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm a, you, and, you and me both <laughs> yeah well I, i'm gonna take care of that this this next year i'm gonna have all my moving situations taken care of you know and be ready to get back out and feel i did actually on on a place i'm, I'm currently selling i have food plots and i did go out and set a couple afternoons and, and literally watched deer that i could have taken both with crossbow and during rifle season but with the pressures i had on me you know the to get things done, honeydew list at two different places. I just sat and watched, and there's something to be said for that, too, you know. And, of course, right now I'm sitting here talking to you and talking about deer meals and all that sort of thing. I'm wishing I had taken just one deer, but at the time I just felt like I didn't have time to properly uh, take care of things. So it was a pass, but what a great time. Deer season, one of the biggest outdoor events that comes to us here in Missouri each fall and Hey, we just got another season. I'm excited about it. I'm going to make sure I got time off. Hunter, you may have to do this uh, podcast all by yourself (laughs) coming deer season. (laughs) Uh oh. Kevin, man, we want to thank you for being on the program with us. Hope you won't be a stranger because there's always something to talk about when it comes to Missouri deer season. Thanks again. Folks, we'll be right back. So don't go away. Slow down and enjoy the simple things in life. Welcome to Huzoff Valley Resort, providing family fun since 1979. They offer floating, and you can choose from canoes, rafts, kayaks, and inner tubes on the beautiful, crystal-clear Huzal River. Lodging, let us be your home away from home. Choose from a variety of lodging units while still enjoying the great outdoors. With over two and a half miles of river camping on the crystal-clear Huzal, we're sure you and your family will find the perfect spot to pitch your tent or park your RV. Have fun and let us help you get the most of your stay. Check out our guided trail rides and Karen's Cafe menu. There's something for everyone at Who's All. There's a campground store on site that has everything you need for your trip. Whether you're in need of gear, grub, or something else, chances are they've got it. And their campground has RV sites and primitive sites for all your camping needs. If you like the adventures of camping with a cozy bed at night, we have a variety of different lodging units to choose from. But who's all valley? There's always something going on out there. Check them out on Facebook, or if you want to make a reservation, simply call 1-800-367-4516. Captain Brian Wilson runs one of the tightest boat fishing operations in the business. Stainwater Boat Fishing operates out of Jerome, Missouri, and the beautiful Missouri Ozarks. They cover most Ozark streams and lakes. You haven't lived until you've searched Ozark waters during the night with Stainwater Boat Fishing while looking for giant gar, carp, and buffalo. Captain Wilson also runs a second boat on Tanecomo Lake. Call today to book a trip with Stainwater Boat Fishing at five seven three. 263 8016. Again, that's 573 263 8016. Be sure and shoot straight. Welcome back to Living the Dream Outdoor podcast. That first segment, we had Kevin Wiskerson, the uh, deer biologist for the Missouri Department of Conservation. Hope you picked up on that information and enjoyed it. Hey, get your calendars out, start to make plans. I'm making plans. I'm planning on killing something this year.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think that early doe season will be uh, one that I'm going to try to partake in for sure.
1: Oh, me, absolutely. absolutely. We'll all be wanting some deer meat coming uh, October. Of course, you can bow hunt, but sometimes right there in the early part of September, you know, it's pretty warm. Yeah. And I've passed on a lot of, a lot of deer. But Hunter Heinemann co-hosts with me today. Glad to have him on the program. And we got some new things coming up before too long. Uh we're gonna have some new segments on the show. We're gonna have a regular kind of conservation notes. Uh keep you a little more up to date on things that are going on in the field of conservation. Steve Stoltz is gonna be giving some turkey hunting tips. Spring turkey hunting season is closing in on us fast. One of my favorite times of the year. And uh Stoltz, of course, is they made quite a name himself over the decades in the calling circuit and quite a hunter too good turkey hunter maybe a better deer hunter he's one of those guys that goes after the monster bucks all yep. the time he's one of those guys you learn to hate you know because <laughs> <laughs> they're so good at it hey steve stoltz is is really great he's a fireman out of st louis area i think and uh yeah. he's, he's worked with uh, juries years ago he, he's big into woodhaven calls and He's gonna do a segment too.
2: Well, you guys ought to get along pretty good because you've <laughs> shot about a turkey or two every
1: every year. <laughs> yeah, we we do Stoltz and I go uh, way back. I've used him. Gosh, he's such a a great source of information for deer or turkey hunting. Either one, and always willing. You know, so willing and and uh, anyway gonna look forward to see what he's got to say about turkey see if i can learn anything new from him you That'd know be a good one <laughs> hey sometimes these guys don't want to give up their best secrets you know i may have to squeeze those out of him off air <laughs> right <laughs> well hunter you, you and your dad daryl recently had a a big big adventure you went down into mexico to hunt mule deer and that's just been what a month or so ago yeah just just
2: right about it a month uh that we've been back home so um it was a really good time. It was just outside of uh, Hermosillo, Mexico. is uh-huh. where we were hunting down in the Sonoran Desert area, so or the state of Sonora, Mexico.
1: Well, you guys made me extremely envious, because I grew up reading Jack O'Connor, and he used to hunt down in that part of the re- uh, region of Mexico, and Jack O'Connor was a huge, uh, big rider for decades for Outdoor Life magazine. I grew up. I was paying for my own subscription to outdoor lifetime. I was seven or eight years old and primarily because of Jack O'Connor, he was just so fascinating. He made the two seventy famous. And you'd be interested, this this is a wild story, but I remember reading it, Jack and his wife were down in Sonora hunting mule deer and they traveled on horseback you know they would have a camp and then they'd ride out horse those guys hunted a bit different than we do these days i remember reading one story they were having trouble finding deer and uh several hundred yards away they see a big buck and several deer you know running over the next rise i guess he and his wife bailed off their horses fired every shot they had in their, their rifles at these deer running <laughs> over the next rise i'm like boy that's a pretty wild way to hunt you know but uh, one of them hit, hit this big mule deer i guess in the back leg they had quite a tracking process back on their horses and they eventually caught up with that deer and took it but uh we hunt a little differently <laughs> that most of us want to get a pretty you know steady accurate yep. shot these days but Uh, You guys had a little excitement, I guess, on your your, your way down. You know, a lot of people were very leery about going into Mexico to hunt. And we just, last uh, March, were all in a turkey hunting camp together down in the the Yucatan. But uh, what was the most fun part of this this trip for you?
2: There was a lot of fun parts. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, obviously going into it, you have your suspicions i guess and things that you hear but um really it wasn't a problem ever and we actually ended up having to drive across the border which was a new thing for me a little bit of a process but really at the end of the day it's not wasn't that much longer than if we would have you know flew um so that was that was interesting in itself going through that process um we waited a little too long to (laughs) go look into our plane tickets. Um, and they ended up being very, very pricey, um, you know, for each of us for a one way flight there. So we ended up just driving down there and then got the flights taken back, um, on the way back. So everything worked out. Okay. But, um, one thing that I just enjoy so much about going to Mexico is just the culture down there. Um, of the people that live there and how they treat you, um, as a guest. And then just the overall camp atmosphere and being able to hang out and, and really just kind of take in the world that's around you instead of, uh, you know, our fast paced world back here (laughs) in the States, you can get really caught up in the internet and the phone and social media. And, um, you know, they have that, but of course, but, um, it just doesn't seem like they're, is into it you know they're just focused on
1: certainly, right not. And certainly not and then isn't it amazing when you cross that border and you get a few miles into mexico i know a lot of places i've been i feel like i've stepped back 150 years and i love it man. yeah yeah uh, you know like i say the lifestyle slows down i love the local people and particularly the farmers and it, they remind me so much of what life was like for me back in the 50s and 60s in the United States. A lot of us still on small farms, you know, we kind of looked out for each other. And, man, you just didn't, didn't seem like you had all the things to worry about that we have to worry about these days. Or at least right. I, maybe I didn't pay enough attention back then, but uh, yep. I, I love going to Mexico. Well, what was the camp like where you stayed?
2: Um, so it was only like 45 minutes away from uh, Hermosillo, and there was a um, – just like a ranch house. Um, It was just like cinder block home. Um, Mm -hmm. So it was nice and cool on the inside. Um, And it was just two bedroom, one bath. It did have, you know, running water. Um, And again, they do things a little different, but they would start a fire to heat up your water and, and stuff like that. But again, you got to have a a running shower and a, in a bathroom um, and then, a nice bed and that's really all you need when you're hunting and then come back home from the hunt and they got a campfire going so um the camp was great it was
1: it was a good time The food hey. was good too <laughs> I, I, that was my next question uh talk about some of the food you had to eat oh man um
2: i mean a, <laughs> a lot of different salsas <laughs> um but they were all so good um you know and the other thing is like uh had they made a lot of or put a lot of avocado with their or guacamole with their um, they do, food. It was very good, and uh, that's the one thing I noticed. I don't really eat it that much back here, but I did eat it down there. It was so fresh and good. I just thought anything that was fruit or anything like that um, was just way more fresh, and so it was good. Um, we had uh, some meat dishes and stuff like that that were really good as well.
1: Yeah, well, I've been working down in Yucatan for this is my fourteenth year, I guess. uh, Work for Ten Cab Outfitters down there, and I usually do quite well in in camp. They have lots of chicken and pork and that sort of thing, and sometimes we have some oscillated turkey or rocket deer in the process. Oh, very good. They use a lot of tomato based uh, Mm -hmm. uh, foods and vegetables, and but boy. I always leave there And go to the coast For a week And that's where I get in trouble <laughs> <laughs> Yeah A lot of that Seafood Doesn't does set And I usually I always spend At least one day uh Kind of down and out Sick <laughs> Because I ate Too much yep. seafood You know yep. But I've learned Hey Take the pepto bismol And all that, that Good stuff But uh Boy now, I've killed Brocket deer Down there But I haven't done The mule deer hunts Of course In this entirely Different uh environment You've been in The jungle Camp for oscillated turkey and bracket deer. I think you killed a Monday and the, some other yep. uh, critters down there. Curacao and yeah, that's uh, right. You did cure. I think that. Was, yeah, I think that's all I got is those those three. But yep. Hey, great, great fun. But when you're talking about Sonora, you're talking about an entirely different uh, scenario. It's uh, kind mm-hmm. of a, I guess, a high desert sort of situation. Where was it? Hills, mountains, or just?
2: So, there's a lot of just flat like pretty much bottom land or desert land um <clears throat> and it's a lot of just kind of shrubby, shorter trees um and it is it's kind of thick, so like if you were to just stand there and try to spot a deer through it, it would be pretty tough like sometimes you're standing there on their their trail that's on this big cattle ranch, and you can't see but 60 yards in front of you through that stuff. So there are areas that are really kind of actually thick that remind you of like, Oh my gosh, this is kind of jungle like, but, um, I would say, um, there is some mountains or hills, um, which were pretty cool. You could, a lot of times they would take us up there and kind of overlook an area where they had, uh, what they do is they bring them into certain areas, um, and they watch them with game cameras and stuff. But kind of the same thing they do in the jungle. They have uh, these watering troughs and stuff um, uh-huh. for the cattle. And then some of them are for the wildlife. Um, and the deer come in and drink drink at those at night. And then uh, they also have a um, uh, orange factory down the road. And they pick up the scraps and the peels and, and stuff from that. And they bait the deer with that really so the deer will eat that to get the moisture out of it in the water um, so that's a big thing too they like those um, but those there is some hills um that are that were pretty decent size
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, well I enjoyed the stories and you, your dad told uh, about uh, the hunting situations you're actually in pickup trucks with tires on them correct uh, correct yep. yeah and what's the purpose of that.
2: Uh, they call them like a, a high rack down there, but yeah, it's basically like you're in an elevated deer stand in the bed of the truck. And so again, when you're, if you were to stand there and try to look through that stuff, you wouldn't be able to see very far. And it's still hard to see when you're up there above the truck. But it's such a vast, wide open country, and you're hunting thirty thousand something acre ranches. Wow, you can't cover that ground on foot. And by the time it gets 9 o'clock, it's, it's pretty hot. Um, right. Not not terrible to where you can't stand it, but, you know, in the morning it might be 40, and then all of a sudden it's 85. <laughs> um, so, <clears throat> basically, they just use it to cover a lot of ground. Um, you know, you can shoot them right off of that while you're driving sometimes. Uh, the time of the year that we went is was kind of they had just started into the rut, started chasing does and stuff, but um, really kind of picked up towards the end of our hunt. Um, but again, that, that high rack hunting is just so you can cover that ground um, in a shorter amount of time and, and try to see as many animals as possible.
1: Yeah. Well, boy, it just sounded like a fascinating hunt to me. I want to congratulate you. You took a pretty nice mule deer.
2: Yes, I, I did get pretty lucky. I got a about 180 to 90-inch mule deer um on the i think second day we had been driving and just saw a real good one in the truck and we pulled up to the backside of this hill and they said we're gonna go to the top of that and glass and it was in the afternoon about four o'clock maybe we got to the top and i'm panting and everything and looked down <laughs> in the bottom and all of a sudden these six or seven does took off running and all of a sudden, I see the guides just both sit down on their butt, and they're <laughs> saying, "Right there, right there." And I could, it took me a second to find him. And when I did, they got the tripod out. And I got on him. He was just facing towards us, and it was about three hundred and fifty yards away. And I just put it on him, and um, he finally turned broadside, and I put a good shot on him, and he ran about ten feet, maybe. Um, then all of a sudden. A, another doe popped out of that bush and so we think that that one doe was probably in heat and that's why he was just standing there like that
1: uh, i gotta ask you was that a jack o'connor shot with a 270 <laughs> uh,
2: it was a it was a far shot that's about the farthest shot i've taken on a deer so
1: well it sounded like you made a good shot because it went down quickly who were you hunting with down there
2: uh again it was uh um tan cab, the same guys that run TanCab. A hey, so. gr-
1: great bunch of good guys. That was Havo, I think. Havo, yes. yeah. Yeah, that was Havo. A number of years, but folks, I, I tell you what, I, I encourage. Hey, step out, take a little adventure. Yeah. A lot of people are f- afraid of Mexico, but I've never been going down in fourteen years. Never had a serious problem. You got to be a little wise about where yep. you go, when, and yep. uh, I, I usually try to stay with outfitters or tourism people. Had some great times down there. Well, Hunter, I tell you what, boy, this show flew by. But uh, <laughs> hey, Hunter and I both—we essentially get to live our outdoor dreams. We encourage you to get in the outdoors, try to live your outdoor dreams as well, Hunter. I know, man. You you stay busy selling real estate. If, yep. if people want to uh, get a hold of you, about and let me tell you, these guys don't just sell everyday real estate. If they get some of the most beautiful properties you'd have I hope to see in the Midwest. I'm always envious. I try not to look at the website because it just (laughs) (laughs) makes me wonder, wow, great places. But how people get a hold of you guys if they want to talk real estate?
2: Yeah, you can. um, My number, you can get a hold of me at my number. That's uh, 636-373-1509. You can get a hold of the office at 855-BUY-DIRT. Or you can just go check our website out at livingthedreamland.com. Uh, or you can shoot me an email that's hunter h09 at yahoo.com
1: hey sounds like a great time now i got deer on my mind you know <laughs> and folks uh deer season will be here before you know it get ready for it i'm bill cooper for hunter hindman we'll see you next time hey guys this is frank cox with living the dream outdoor properties hey have you ever considered a career in real estate If you have, but you don't have your license, this is your opportunity. So each month, the Living the Dream Outdoor Properties team is giving away a free seat to the online training that you need to take in order to get your real estate license. We would love to have you join our team. All you got to do is go to our website, livingthedreamland.com, and then click on the Our Team button, and then click on the one that comes up under that that says Join Our Team. On that page, there's an application form. Just simply fill that out and get in contact with a member of our team, and I'll be giving you a call. We appreciate you, and uh, good luck. The Live in the
2: Dream Outdoors podcast is brought to you by Live in the Dream Outdoor Properties, The Fly Rod Journals, SmokerBuilder.com, Cowtown USA, Westover Farms, Scenic Rivers Taxidermy, Stained Water Bow Fishing Scenic Rivers Guide Service and Tours Huzzah Valley Resort Pico Lures Devil's Backbone Outfitters The Fallen Outdoors Leadco Sinkers and Lure Company Turnbow Outdoors j j Charters Kaufman Cove, Alaska Big Ed's Guide Service Bean Creek Game Calls Misty Mountain Guide Service ASO Guides and Outfitters with Ryan Walker On The Hook TV and Rich's Famous Burgers.
0: Land ownership is the American dream. Land is the basis of all life. Our wise use of this most precious of resources ensures the survival and growth of free institutions and our American way of life. At Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, we value the traditions and freedoms that land provides us. Every day we seek the solace of a mountain sunrise over traffic jams and smog, the calming silence of a bubbling stream over the sirens of the city, and the quiet of the countryside over the hustle and bustle of the world. We hunt, we fish, we farm. We live off the land. It's our mission to help our clients live out their dreams on the land as we do. At Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, we believe that it's not just land, it's a lifestyle. Join us five days a week on Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast as the Living the Dream Outdoor Dream Team explores the most desired outdoor properties in the Midwest and whisks you away to incredible hunting, fishing, and outdoor recreation opportunities. Host Bill Cooper, an inductee of the National Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame, will be joined by members of the Living the Dream Outdoors team each week as they tell tall tales, unveil tips and tactics, and rub elbows with some of the biggest names in the outdoor world. You'll also find the Living the Dream Outdoors podcast on your favorite social media platforms, including Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok.